I read a lot of philosophy because I had the belief that with enough awareness and well-designed system, the human species could flourish. I, I realize now no system will ever work because human beings are only interested in pursuing their own selfish interests at the expense of others. If you chance to meet a friend. In the last couple of years, I've lost all hope. You cannot minimize what goes on out there with a single pleasant sounding word like contrast. Do not let it stay. So I came here today to tell you that as I survey the infestation on this planet, I am disgusted. Quickly turn it upside down and smile that frown away. I now feel mostly hatred for people and their ignorance, stupidity, and petty strivings towards shallow money trenches they dig to insulate themselves and parade around in tacky luxury. No one likes a frowning face. I see the majority of people trapped in lives that bear no resemblance to their desires and more often than not suffering in the most awful ways as a result of others inserting themselves in their experience. Change it for a smile. And you're never going to convince me that six million victims of World War II genocide, or any of the other many genocides over history for that matter, were all a match to their experience. I have absolutely no doubt that history will repeat itself, and wars will dominate the majority of people once again. Make the world a better place by smiling all the this is Infants on Thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. After your faith has let you down. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 594, Abraham Hicks and the Biggest Missing Piece. Now I'm calling it that because today I'm joined by fellow infant Tom Perry and our newest, bestest friend of the podcast, Christy Johnson, who we just interviewed for her documentary, No Crime in Sin, which is streaming now on Amazon Prime. But the clip that you heard at the introduction here was from a man who was attending an Abraham Hicks workshop. Who is Abraham Hicks, you ask? Well... Let's take a stroll back through time, shall we? Let's use our imagination and imagine that you are one of your early Mormon ancestors who joined the early Mormon church because you were excited about this prophet slash mystic guy named Joseph Smith who was getting all kinds of messages directly from God, telling you that you can also receive direct messages from God. And the excitement of all of this just brought you and so many other people together out of the pure joy and excitement that you found in having these kinds of conversations about these kinds of things. Can you picture that? Well, now imagine that instead of Joseph Smith, it's a woman named Esther Hicks. And instead of speaking for God the Father of the Old and New Testaments and all the coolest religions, that she was speaking for and on behalf of the cosmic intelligence of everything that ever is, was, or will be, that she named Abraham. And that Abraham, this cosmic intelligence, actually speaks through her. And then baked into these messages, coming through Joseph and Esther are things like the eternal nature of intelligences, the eternal progression of man, the idea that as man is, God once was, and that as God is, man may become, and the idea of spiritual gifts, the power of faith, that as a man thinketh, so is he, that the worth of a soul is great, that man is, that he might have joy, that there must needs be opposition in all things, but that all sins are wiped away, they're wiped clean by a loving God, and that all these things shall give the experience. But instead of the 
opposition, and there must need to be opposition in all things, let's call that contrast, because that's what Esther Hicks or Abraham Hicks calls it, and that's what this guy in the clip that you just heard is responding to. You cannot minimize what goes on out there with a single pleasant sounding word like contrast. If there really is this loving God, why is there all of this contrast? How can it be? It doesn't make any sense and I'm not going to take it anymore that you just use a simple clean name like contrast or opposition to explain away the problem of evil. It's very similar to what many of you have also felt about these ideas that came to you from Joseph Smith. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm so grateful to Tom and to Christy for engaging me in this conversation. And I hope that you enjoy it as well, because here it comes right now. Or whatever we're going to be discussing this evening. I actually got hooked up to some of her recordings back in February. I was mesmerized by them because I was like, wait a second, I know this voice, right? Mm. So I used to write down notes and listen to her. And I don't even know who referred me over to her or how I found her. And I was just like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So I was freaking out. Like when you like brought her up and said, hey, you want to come back? And I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. Well, that is, that's Yeah, the universe is. Uh-huh. Well, uh, good or bad, because boy, I'm 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 going to be the poop on this parade, I guess. <laughs> I am the poop not... on the parade. That's lovely. That's well, a good. Yeah, because rain on the parade doesn't work. It's not good enough. Yeah. This is yeah. I, I went down the hole of like trying to research. I, I I don't even dare call her a woman because apparently she's not a woman. She's a woman. No, no, she claims she's not. to be this she, person, though. Well, she's the channeling of the infinite universe or whatever it is. Just so like she, you are, Tom. <laughs> just like, just like you are, just like we just all are. Like we all in our own minds. Are. In our own one mind. of us is doing it. Yes, we are one legends in our own mind. <laughs> she was born in Colville, Utah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Okay. Husband, husband was a successful Amway distributor early in his life. Uh-huh. And then he was a circus acro- ac- acrobat for two years in Cuba. I don't know, man. They, yeah. yeah. Hey. And Joseph Smith was a treasure hunter, so, you know. Yeah, right. And we, we saw how it ended up with that. This is really interesting. I just cannot believe my connection early on this year. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And I had to wear glasses because something freaking weird happened to my right eye overnight. Yeah. Oh, no. Maybe somebody was pulling a moat out of it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So I had to Send put them that on and over to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did someone like uh, fart in my pillow? I don't know what this is. Like, it's it just is. like got all red. So oh, wow. if it would, that would be a mark of true intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> I do not share my bet. Thank you very much. <laughs> so are, are we going to start? We've started. <laughs> all right. So. Yeah. Keep going. Talk. talk. No, I mean, no, 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 no. It is started. Just let the poop flow. You oh. have to. I've got to get something squared away right from the get go. All right. And Glenn, help me understand why in the hell. Okay. How you got turned on to this nonsense? Two, why, <laughs> why is it that you think this is awesome? 
Why is well, it first, for like? First of all, I think it's awesome because I don't think it's nonsense. But how I got how I got turned on to it is my very very good friend Cammy uh, okay. introduced me to it. Uh, you're not going to make me I, listen. Cammy gets the pass. Like she's uh, yeah. All right. Is that what you're doing? You're going to make me. <laughs> Throw her under the bus. No, I don't think that's you fair. don't have to throw anybody under the bus. Okay, good. I don't I, want to throw I, anybody I, under the bus. And I'm I just, want your honest response to this. You don't okay. have to pull any punches or hide anything. All right. So if we are just going to go off that that twenty minute clip, first of all, how is it that you didn't pick up on the fact that no one wanted to touch this with the ten foot pole? Do you think that there might be a reason why? I mean, this thing is. It, it's a You're asking sh- the wrong question, Tom. The real question is, do I care enough to uh-huh. leave it alone? And the answer to that is alone. clearly no. I want, <laughs> I want to talk about it. So, I mean, if, if, if my friends uh, here don't want to talk about it, I'll find other friends to talk about it, and that's cool. And my friends, no, I do want to talk, so my I, friends here want to talk about it. I, but I like talking about this. Okay, okay. I do want to talk about it, but I'm mostly, I'm, uh, I don't know, this, this is so strange. This, this is so strange. It's, it's, it's off. It's like, it took me. So I, the first time you sent it, I was so confused like, <laughs> that I just kind of spaced it off. I'm like, I have no clue as to what is happening. And then the second time when you reminded me the other night or whatever, the other day, and when you're like, did you listen to it, Tom? Did you? I mean, because I really want. And so I'm like, All right, I'll go back and remind, refresh my mind. And so I did, and and I was paying attention. Yeah. So 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 let's and, and just so that you know, Christy, we did we did two episodes earlier this spring that were called Conversations with Quad, and I, I presented it as this this fictional writing that I did that was based on a book called Conversations with God. Um, and it, it was kind of like channeled writing that I, I like tapped into. Like I would ask my inner self these questions, and my inner self would give these these answers. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any problem at all saying I'm using my imagination to do that to play those different roles. Um, you know, like so. So it, to me, it's it's not that different from a musician getting up on stage and playing an instrument, or a comedian getting on stage and telling jokes. Uh, you, you know, what, what Esther Hicks is doing is she's getting up on stage and she's talking to people in the persona of Abraham. And when people ask her, who is Abraham? Abraham says, well, we're, we're not a single person. Um, for one thing, we're, we're multiple eternal intelligences that are communicating with Esther in thought forms and she's taking those thought forms and translating them into language. And so it's, it's her words, it's her style, it's her, but how is that any different from when you have a question, Tom, that comes from somewhere inside of you and you form words to speak it out of your mouth? How is that different? Because I'm not giving that thought or whatever it is, uh, an identity, and then I'm using plural nouns right. <laughs> when I when I vocalize my opinion. And talking about or yourself, my thought. They're like George Costanza. Right. Like George Costanza. <laughs> right. Or, or, or what she was doing, which confused the hell out of me, where she, she kept referring to herself in we or us. 
Like, what in the hell? And I kept looking behind her like, well, who's she talking about? And then I kept yeah. thinking, it's got to be her husband, right? Like, she's, she's speaking for in, or in behalf of him, right? Oh, there's so, the Mormon in you right there. Yeah, right. But, but, no, but no, it's, it's, it's even worse than that. It's, it's this, I'm channeling all these no. whatevers. Uh, okay, so for, first of all, Tom, let yes, me, please, let me, let me state again. <laughs> Please. This can be just a big fiction. And I, I mean, I'm cool with that. But the, yeah. but the way that I envision it, you know how many atoms are in your body right now? We've had this conversation so before. So many. Conversation yeah, right. And if each, like those atoms are indestructible. They've been parts of other things before they were ever part of you. Mm-hmm. And they've experienced things, whatever an atom experiences, mm. they've experienced it from that point of view. And if there is any kind of absorption of intelligence that goes along with those atoms, we, we've had this conversation before. How would they mm-hmm. communicate with us? What would they be? Would they say I, or would they say we? And, mm-hmm. and what the Abraham, <laughs> what, what it presents itself as is this, these multiple cosmic intelligences that are all focusing at a similar vibrational level. And I know that sounds kooky, but that, that Esther comes to them at that same vibrational level. And, and she gets thoughts and impressions just the way that you get thoughts and impressions, just the way that I get thoughts and impressions. And she expresses them. Like if you can forget about, I I understand the, the shock effect, like jumping into a really cold, pool of water and you're just like <gasps> you know but but once you settle in and get used to that like what about the messages what about the things that are being said and that's where i get really really interested okay in it. yeah and especially because it mirrors so many of the conversations that you and i have had around like the problem of evil and justice and you know how sure. to be a good loving god in the world and still be all these horrible problems and we've got christy here who's joined us who's gone through some of the most horrific things that I can imagine. And, you know, so like, let's, 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 let's talk about these ideas that were presented here in these concepts and, and weigh whether or not we think it's nonsense based on that content and how it speaks to us rather than on the, the way that it's packaged. Well, well, I think the way that it's packaged is important only because It, it, what you were just talking about is, you know, your, the, the, whether it's the vibration of the atoms and all that stuff. And so you're using sort of that platform and then you're pulling things or cherry picking at some of the stuff that she's using or whatever it is. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like cherries, so, Tom. What's wrong? Because blueberries are better. Okay. So, <laughs> so the thing is, is, she th- and I know I'm getting triggered a little bit a little, or a lot of bit lot from of her because this is a charlatan here. And I don't know if you've if if you've read like on the Wikipedia page, she's worth like twelve and a half million dollars. She does these workshops. These people go around and follow her and buy all of her seminars and books and whatever. I mean, she's making a killing off people and and even that clip that you shared where it seems like this guy is essentially I don't know. He's, he's kind of challenging her a little bit or a lot of bit. And, and then she has to, I don't know, be demeaning to to him, but oh, let me, let me get down to your level. Okay. Move your hat. I want to speak to you. And, and he's like, no, no, this is, you, you're, what are you doing? 
Why is that demeaning that she wants to like look at his face and see who? Because she's, she's trying. She's trying That's to humanizing, dude. No, not not when you're on camera. Not when you're in an audience. He that, didn't want to be on camera, and he never was. No, she was. This is her. This is her thing. She has control. Okay. She's the one. Just she's <laughs> she's actually manipulating the entire environment to her benefit. And so when she comes down to his level says, I'm going to speak to you. And then all the stuff that she says, she did so much deflecting. She didn't actually answer a lot of his points and questions, which were really good, by the way. Instead, she took... You're going to have to defend those two claims there. I'm more than happy to. I hope you wrote down examples of where she... I didn't didn't write them down, but I was hoping... I'd love to go to them. Okay, cool. But the fact that she keeps saying, you're being pessimistic. What you need to do is you need to be optimistic. And he's like, no, I'm actually talking about real. What's happened real like in the world like other people's decisions and behaviors can actually affect you and your life tragically everything and what you're saying is oh no you can just snap out of it and i can't <laughs> all right I, I i mean i don't know dude and you know that she has a connection to the secret right yeah yeah okay cool well, i just wanted to make sure all right are you talking about the book the secret yeah, or the movie. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and, and the movie. They, there, there were two different versions of The Secret that came out. One of them included her and her husband, Jerry, and the other one didn't. And, and one of the clips of hers that I've listened to is where she talks about the reasons why behind it. But yeah, so I'm familiar with that. And, and the reason is because this idea of the law of attraction that she brings up um, in the course of this clip that we did. And that's really what The Secret is based on this idea of law of attraction, but she doesn't really agree with the way that they've used the law of attraction. And she doesn't really ally herself with the secret and what's happened out of that movement. But yeah. So yeah, I, I am familiar with that, but, but I, I, I want to open this up to, to you, Christy, to, to anybody that's sitting on, um, on this. And, uh, I, 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 I'm interested to know what you saw or what you thought the message was, um, but I also want to know how you would respond to the concerns that, that Tom has here, because I, I fully, I fully understand and accept the validity of every single concern that you have there. Like you're going to validate all my concerns, are you? <laughs> yes. Thanks buddy. This yeah, is no. so beautiful. I need a tissue. Hold on. Just <laughs> hold space. Brotherly love. Tom, Tom's got yeah. plenty of tissues next to his soiled socks. <laughs> I just think it's important to, you know, what I've learned through my life is I don't discount anyone. I always try to uh, give people a chance. You know, I've spent so much time in my head and I think it's okay to allow yourself to be open. You know, after leaving the Mormon church and having been born in it and raised in it, um, knowing that that was all based on lies Um, You know, with bits of truth here and there, but mostly lies. And when you get down to it, and that was shocking to the soul Mm. and to my brain and my system and my spirit, you know, that throws your whole world off. And then you become very critical of anything else that's going to come in. But it takes time, you know, to heal from that. And, you know, but I have allowed myself to study different things. And I'm always like, well, what if? What if they're right, though? What if they are onto something here? So I don't always, you know, try to think like, oh, it's the way they present themselves because, you know, some people aren't sophisticated. 
and some people are too sophisticated. So it's kind of like you just have to listen to the message and if it resonates with your spirit, you know, there, there might be some truth to it. Well, I, th- I think what you're saying there is important, but I also want to just throw this in in there as well. Coming from a Mormon background, we have to acknowledge that we were manipulated. And, and there's even a systematic, I don't know if it's like a cultural pot that we're all put in where it kind of forces us to be gullible or uh-huh. even easily manipulated. And um, because we don't, you know, you're not really taught to think for yourself. Like you said, it, those that go through the faith crisis and all that stuff, you have to learn the critical thinking skills that a lot of other people that aren't in that melting pot of, of being manipulated in the Mormon church already have. So we have to learn that at a later stage in our life. Yeah. So that's, that's why I, I still think that it's really important to pay close attention to those triggers or those things that happen to us that still make us easily manipulated. Like I can be, I know that I'm still gullible. I still know that I can be manipulated easily. I can be taken advantage of, I, you know, whether it's an MLM or whatever it is, I know that I can still be sucked into this stuff. And it takes, it takes even a little bit more than just critical thinking skills. You have to like watch for red flags. And that's, and that's essentially what I'm saying with Esther here is there's quite a few red flags that I see that really cause alarm for me. So that's what I'm saying there. Anyway. No, and I, th- I think you're absolutely right, especially when you leave the church. People don't who have not either been raised in it or so when it's so ingrained into you. I mean, people don't understand what we've had to go through. And it is more than just leaving a religion. It is literally your entire soul and your being and everything that you are, you know, and you do. You have to learn those critical thinking um, things because people can still take advantage of you. It's uh, boy, that was really well said. You did a good job. You oh, did. Thanks. You did it. You did a very good job. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm going to throw it back at you a little bit, Tom, please, because you, you, <laughs> you cannot evaluate anything using critical thinking skills. If you refuse to listen to what I'm okay. saying. So, Absolutely. so, so I, I think identifying the concerns up front going, I don't know. It seems like she's duping all these people. Sure. It, it seems a little fishy. Um, and and there's so many parallels to Mormonism here, not only in the way that she's kind of presenting herself as an intermediary between God and man. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to deliver the message to you. Like we've seen that before. Sorry, I'm not interested. Right. I, I don't want to follow someone like that makes that claim ever again. Um, mm. And there's also the parallels and some of the things that I find most interesting about the content of, of this thing is some of the things that she's saying, I see mirror some Mormon beliefs and worldview very closely. And, sure. and that can be very triggering too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I can see, and this is why I, I say with all sincerity, I validate all of your concerns. They're totally valid concerns mm-hmm. and I share them. And I, and I shared them when I first came into um, not only this Abraham Hicks stuff, but all of it, you know, like talking with Krista, the psychic with who we've had on the podcast before. And, you know, I, I always have that in the back of my mind kind of, mm-hmm. and that's why I have to say it's a fiction. That's why I have to say, okay, I'm going to accept this as a fiction. Now I can, it's not like I'm dismissing the red flags. I'm just moving them off to the side so that I can. That sounds like dismissing to me. Uh, I think Does he's it? just giving or, it a chance. 
I think, you know what, sometimes it's okay to step outside like your head though and put those things aside a little bit and maybe just be a little vulnerable. And well, be- yeah, willing to be receptive. This is, this is interesting because I think you're, you know, I'm, I'm following your line of thinking and, I, and I'm entertaining it. But I will say if, if, if you realize that what you're going to put yourself into, like entertain these thoughts or even let them digest in your, in your mind and whatever, you have to also acknowledge that there's going to be some things that could sneak in, especially if you know the, of the red flags and you're still willing to turn into the construction area, re- realizing that you could essentially get stranded or your truck is going to get demolished or whatever it is, right. knowing like, well, I'm going to take a chance. Yeah. If you know the risk is moderate to high and you still go down that path, yeah. hey, you know. Well, I, I, I would hope that our friendship would be one, Tom, where you could look at me <laughs> and say, that guy's wandered into the construction site and hasn't been dinged in the head too hard with too many things. Well, I mean, but he's only called for a tow truck occasionally. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but, but don't we all? You know, yeah, so, I, so I... I, I, I um, you know, what's interesting is to hear something like this and to test it. Yeah. What if you test something? What if you put something out there in the universe and it actually comes through? Would you believe that there is some truth to maybe part of it? Well, you, but you, that's a really good point. But you also have to take into consideration that it, you're completely subjective, right? I mean, you can't, you can't play that off as, well, my experience is now objective for others or to mm-hmm. everyone else. So if you do experience something and it like, I guess I'm playing in the spiritual realm. If you're feeling something, if you're getting a connection or something's happening, you have to acknowledge that that's individualistic. Mm-hmm. I think, I think so. That's just, I do too. That's just I think it's opinion. individual. I'll tell you something. I'll give you an example. Um, I was, oh, what is that guy's name? Tony Robbins. I was really into him for, um, I, I think he's wonderful. I don't know anything bad about him, but I remember years ago, um, I was reading his book, Awaken the Giant Within, and he was talking about throwing things out in the universe, just writing a bunch of stuff, and then just saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I was leaving the state of California and moving to Washington. Um, I didn't know what job I was going to have. I didn't know what was ahead of me. I was just moving and taking a new, you know, starting a new life. And I ran into a friend um, and I talked to him on my way, literally pulled over, saw him. And I said to him, he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm moving to Washington. I'm going to be uh, doing some voiceovers and I'm going to be on the radio. And he goes, wow, that's really incredible. And I said, well, thank you. I hope to do very well out there and didn't know what the hell I was talking about. But I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So sure enough, I get into Washington, find a place to live. And I answered this ad of, an, of a newspaper that had something for radio sales like to sell space on radios. So I answered the ad, don't have any experience in sales, never want to be a salesperson. I sent in my resume. They called me in and they're interviewing me and they're like, you know, your voice is extremely unusual. Like it's one of those raspy, you know, voices that people like. And I said, oh, thanks, you know. And they said, well, you know, would you ever think about maybe being on the radio? Did you, have you ever thought about that in your life? And I was like, yeah. And then they said, so then I started actually being like, they taught me how to be a producer for a lady. Long story, 
I end up producing a radio show and end up being on the radio and ended up starting to be requested to do voiceovers for commercials. That's cool. And that happened within a year of me moving to Washington. So hmm. that was kind of cool because I said it and then it kind of came into fruition mm-hmm. just by answering an ad mm-hmm. for a radio station to do sales. No, that's really cool. Just my little story. But I but I don't want I don't want to <laughs> Okay. I'm a big girl. You can just All right. Well, yeah, I, all I all I would say is just as a, a disclaimer, caveat on that is that, you know, that's that's a hit out of however many misses. You know, it, even in my own life, I could probably share I don't know a dozen different stories of where I tried to think something into fruition. I mean, my the the biggest example to me is to become a sports athlete. I spent a lot of time visioning and practicing and training to become, you know, like an, an all state football player. And it just like, I kept running into whether it's physical barriers or mental barriers or, you know, team environment barriers, whatever it is, coach limitations, but I never got there. Now, I mean, what is that? Is that the fact that I didn't believe it hard enough? that I didn't wish it hard enough, that I didn't want it hard enough, because all that's bullshit. I wanted that more than anything. In fact, I have vivid memories of obsessing about that more than anything else in the world. Like nothing else existed besides wanting to play football. So, you know, it's like... Why do you think it didn't happen for you? I think there's multiple factors. I think my, you know, whether it's my biological body or whatever, whether I do think that my body has limitations and I can, I can push them and sometimes exceed my limitations depending on my skill set, my training and practice and all that stuff. But I also think that there's a lot of environmental factors that I have no control over, like my coach, all the other teammates, how, how often I'm played, you know, there's there's so many elements to my success as a football player because there's you know so many players on the field at one time it's like hitting the lottery a dozen times in a row almost for a football player to be that successful and so that's why I feel like it doesn't it didn't do really really do me a lot of good to put all my chips on that thinking that that was going to pay out when I, if in reality, if you pull back and you look objectively, the odds were really, really against me being success, being su- successful. So it really played out the way it should have statistically. But if it would have worked out, then maybe I would have had that same story like, hey, I, I committed myself, I tried hard, and I believed in myself, and look at me, I'm a success. Now I've, now I've got my own shoe line, I, I do commercials, I'm, I'm a multimillionaire. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, but you're also 1% of 1% of 1% of 1%. You know, you're that lottery, lottery, lottery winner, and congratulations, and, and that's great. But no one really looks at the hundreds or thousands of people that didn't get there. They tried that same path that didn't quite get there. And instead, it's more like, well, just keep trying. Try something else. Yeah. It's like until something else sticks, I guess. That's really, it, it is interesting what you're saying. You know, it's like, you know, with our film, if I can just talk about that for a second. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, people are always asking, like, how did that happen of all the thousands of cases out there, how did yours happen to fall into getting a documentary made? 
I do not know how it happened. I mean, I know what, what happened, you know, for me, I saw one of my friends online. It was that Michelle girl that I grew up, you know, yeah. was a child with, and she was writing, uh, she's writing a book and she had posted about her abuse. I contacted her and was like, man, I, I went through the same thing at the same time. So she was like, you need to call this phone number. There's a group called Restore Humanity. They're out of Utah. Just call them. They, they'll talk to you. They're, they're good listeners, you know, and I said, Oh, okay. So I, I called him and Mark Lawrence happened to answer the phone that day. And I talked to him for a while and he was so kind and loving. And I just was not used to that. And then he said, you know, um, I have a friend who, who's a filmmaker who, who's been working on stuff. And he said, would you mind if I gave him your information? And I said, no, not at all. And then I got a phone call and I it started talking to Jared Ruga, you know, over a long period of time. And, you know, he wanted to know the paper trail I had. He wanted to know what proof we had. He wanted to know certain things because they were looking to make a documentary. Why that happened for our family over other people, to me, that was just like some kind of an interruption that was made in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, because of where I was in my, I have no idea. There are other people who have had way more horrendous stories that could, their stories would be unbelievably very important for people to hear. But why our family? Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. But all I know now is like, I'm just going for it. You know, whatever we can do to help. But I've been asked that so many times and it's kind of like what you said. It's like, you can try and hang in there and do everything that you can, but why are there, the, it seems like these interruptions in the universe where it almost seems like someone's driving the, the force to make things happen beyond your control. I yep. so. Yeah, there's, there's so many factors. It's timing, it's people, it's connections. It's, it, you know, it's the, the severity of whatever the content is, or in your case, the severity of the trauma might have grabbed some people's attention. There's, there's, like I said, there's so many factors that have to line up and everything has to be just right. And then if, if, you know, if you do what you can on your end and then that opportunity and all those factors line up, then maybe, you know, it can take off. Yeah. yeah. Can you tie this back into, like, as I know there's a connection, I know there's a reason why you're bringing this up as a, as a resistance that you have to what, you're hearing from originally like because because this isn't really what the guy was talking about but it's got to be related somehow so could the guy in the video you mean yeah well originally the tangent that we were just on is because we were talking about kind of like what the secret's based off of if if you think it and it'll happen oh the law of attraction kind of thing the law i I don't yeah whatever that is i haven't read the book so speak it into existence right Right, speak it into it isn't really yeah okay i got it yeah Anyway, so should we go into what this guy was talking about? If you're ready. Oh, Tra- Tracy's oh. got something she wants to, to say. Okay. Um, let Bye. me unmute you, Tracy. Go ahead. I was just wondering if you think that, uh, Christy, your father being willing to come on might have had something to do with the documentary being on, because most abusers aren't going to go on and admit what they did. Yeah, you know, thank you so much for asking that. It's interesting because um, we were going to meet with our father with or without him agreeing to be on film. So we told him ahead of time when we were asking him if we could film him, 
you know, we, we don't have to have this crew, you know, we want to meet with you anyway. But yeah, the fact that he was in agreement to that, we were shocked. So I do think that was just another thing falling into place that helped bring about this documentary. Because I can't imagine it uh, going as well as it did without his participation and his vulnerability and being able to uh, be, you know, we're all like that, whether he was faking it or not, it, it, it was, people needed to see that. So, you know. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So let, let's, let's get into the, um, the, this, uh, I, I, and I don't know what the, the name of the guy is, but, but maybe you could summarize Tom, what, what was he saying? Uh, what what was his big concern that he was presenting that he traveled all the way to talk to Esther Hicks, a.k.a. Abraham? Well, I'm going to do a terrible job, but I'm going to do my best to summarize what I perceived he was trying, what his point was or what he's trying to get her to respond to. Was that there are factors outside of our own thoughts or our own decisions, because it seems like she says, we choose our lives or we choose our destinies or whatever it is. That's the problem. It's like, I don't really know. He has, he de definitely has a disagreement with her or her perspective, or her teachings or whatever it is. And so he comes at it by saying, you know, there's things that happen in, in our lives that we have no control over whatsoever. And the fact that you continue to tell me or us, and he says, I spent a lifetime talking about this or thinking right. about this, that there are just some external things that happen that we have no control over and they're terrible mm. and they're tragic and they're awful. Yeah. And, and we're victims of that, whatever it might be. And then he brings up, of course, the Holocaust. Yeah. And he says, are you going to be, are you going to tell someone who endured the Holocaust that they should have just thought about it harder or right. that maybe they, they chose that circumstance? Are you right. telling me that they chose to be there yeah. to endure that and that there's some glorious outcome after that? Because the honest truth is, is no, it's a horrific thing. And if, and there's got to be a way that she or all of us need to acknowledge that some existences or some lives or some experiences for some people are just so tragic and so awful that we need to validate that experience by not diminishing it saying, well, you know, you know, your, your tragedy, your trauma is still something that you should cherish and celebrate. Mm -hmm. No, it's awful. And, and most people died from it. So can we just say there are terrible, horrible things that happen to people and that is it. They didn't choose it. It was out of their control. It was, and why is it that, yeah, so I guess that's what I'm saying. I could go on, but yeah, that's, that's essentially what it sounded like to me he was yeah. saying. And then she continued to use her propaganda by saying, <laughs> okay, by saying, okay, I validate you, what you're saying. And what you're saying is our words. All right. Let, and let, and let, I'm let's hearing your right words. And we'll go, and we'll go along okay. to, her, to, to her response later. But, all right, all right. but first, I, I want to grade your summary, if I can. Please. Can I, can I yes. assign it a grade? Yes, please. I, you know, I'm going to give it an A. Maybe, maybe oh, an wow. A minus. There, there, there were a couple of things that um, 
I'll take it. Wow. Yeah, no, it was really good. And, and one of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation is because it mirrors so closely conversations that you and I have had. And, and yes. he, he articulated your, the, the way that you detest anybody trying to put a smiley face or like a ray of sunshine on suffering. You're yeah, like, tie a bow on it. it. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. Uh-huh. So, so um, just, just some background on some of the messages of, of Abraham Hicks. One is this idea of contrast. And he said right off the start, you can't take all of these horrible, unspeakable acts that people do towards each other and using a word like contrast. Like right. I, I can't accept that. And, and so what she means by contrast is one of these things that I think is similar to the Mormon worldview of there must needs be opposition in all things and that all <laughs> these things you experience and that we came here on this earth to exp- you know, went through a veil of forgetfulness. Right. So we would um, experience contrast and conflict and some of that contrast and conflict is this horrible stuff so that that's part of the background then you also identified very well i thought um this idea of law of attraction and the way that uh, abraham will say that your thoughts determine your outcomes in life and I, I, I want to spend some more time talking about that law of attraction later. And, and especially because the way, when, when I hear law of attraction, I substitute confirmation bias. And that makes it way easier of a pill to swallow because I get confirmation bias. And I think that's what she means by law of attraction. Mm. But, but, but the, if, if, you, if you take the, this idea of law of attraction, that all I have to do is think something and it comes true, I think you're missing the point. And I, and I think that's what... I think, I think a lot of people believe that. Sure. Yeah. And, and I, and I think it's a false way to believe, you know, we agree. Who am I to say, but I just, I have a problem with it that way. But, mm-hmm. but when you talk about it as like confirmation bias, that once you make up your mind that something is a certain way, you're going to get confirmation of that bias mm-hmm. everywhere you see. And you're going to be blinded to things that are, that contradict what you've already determined. And that absolutely shapes the way that you experience your reality. So mm-hmm. the, the third point is that you, cre- everybody creates their own reality. And he's saying, you can't tell me that children like Christy, who were terribly abused by a, a person that should have loved them and trusted them mm-hmm. for their entire life, that she's responsible for that because she thought it and she willed it into existence. I'm sorry. I reject yeah. that. I will. I, I cannot believe that. Um, and what I heard, and, and if you're ready to, to move away from the summary of this guy's argument into her response, let me just pause and see if anybody else wants to say anything about his concerns. I, can I tell you something really quick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was sitting in a Sunday school class when I was Mormon uh, after everything had come out. And the Sunday school teacher was letting us know that in the pre-earth life, right. we literally chose everything that we wanted to go through and the lessons we wanted to learn. Here similar experience. I had a similar. Me too. I heard that. Yeah. So I'm calling bullshit, right? So I <laughs> right. raise my hand and I'm like, so what about me? You know, I was abused, raped, you know, right. and, and all this. And she's like, well, that's because you chose that in the pre-earth life, you know, with Thank your God. father. And I said, so my dad was doing God's will. And then she goes, I think we'll end here. And I said, yeah, I we could end here. Because I was just like, yeah, I wasn't going to fight that. I was like, oh, hell no. 
you put them in a corner because there's no good way to answer that. Yeah, you're yeah, exactly right. But that's the way of the thinking. I do not like people that say that either, that everything's predestined and you chose it. And, yeah. you know, I'm a better person because I was traumatized for the first 12 years, you know, whatever you know, it is. Yeah, this, this is a difficult thing because a lot of people do hold their trauma as a cherished thing by saying, I'm... I'm the person that I am because of my trauma or my, you know, my terrible, horrific experience. And, and they look at it like I would, you know, if I could go back and, and change anything, I wouldn't because then I wouldn't be the person I am today. If I didn't experience these terrible, tragic things, I wouldn't be who I am today. And my thought is always, how do you know you wouldn't be a better person not having gone through that shit? Yeah. You never, That, that is bullshit. Because yeah. I would have been a way better person. All of us would have been better. I wanted to go to law school. I was set to do a bunch of things with my life at one point, um, you know, but I was bogged down by everything that had happened. And it does, it rewires your brain, your thinking, you doubt God, you don't know. The moment you touch a child and you do anything like that, their whole life is completely changed from that moment forward. You literally have changed the course of their life, no matter if they if things work out for them eventually, but you have now rewired someone's life at that very given moment. And that's why I think these people need to be punished to the very most extreme way you can do it. Yeah, the, the metaphor of what putting a, putting an anchor, well, it's not an anchor. What's that thing that- Millstone. Millstone around their neck. I got neck. that memorized. Yeah, so so when when someone's traumatized like that, especially a child, they mm-hmm. now have to carry that with them for the rest of their lives. A life sentence, and, and it affects everything. Yeah, you have to. You more or less just have to learn to live your life with it. Yeah, so you have to make sense of it, and you have to find peace with it. Because if you carry that thing the rest of your life, you will die an early death of diseases. Your heart will be hardened and it's hard because it's up to you. That's the hardest thing in the world is you're in charge of yourself and that's hard. Well, I, I'm I'm glad you brought up the Sunday school example and the the Mormon teaching and whether it's an official doctrine or it's a folk doctrine, it doesn't really matter. It's really pervasive. And I think it's a pretty good indication of how a lot of Mormons think and, and how I definitely thought when I was growing up and still do in certain ways, which is, which is one of the things that I like about the Abraham messages, because it's, it's like soothing to that part of my brain that started forming, believing these kinds of things. But I've also, I've, I've, I, I went to, to California uh, a week ago um, and I drove for probably about 12 hours and for about eight hours of those 12 hours, I listened almost nonstop to Abraham Hicks YouTube. And it was like, I I had listened to maybe two or three before, um, but it was, it was a baptism by immersion. And I really, I really loved it. And, and it's, it's hard because I I don't remember which ones because, because I listened to so many um, at once, Mm. it'd be hard for me to go back and find it. But there was, there was one where somebody asked her um, more about this idea of a pre-existence and, you know, developing your own curriculum for the suffering that you're going to go through. Um, mm. And they were asking specifically about like soulmates and like predetermination, all those sure. And she scoffed at it. She said, yeah, people make up all of these stories to try to explain their life. That's not what we mean at all. It's, it's, it's not that 
there is, is one certain path that if you deviate it from it, you've made a mistake. It's, it's that when you made the choice to, to be embodied, you know, and it's weird language, it's new age language. And that's a red flag and that's triggering to me too, but I got to get past it. When, when, why do you have to get past it? If I'm going to examine the ideas, because, because okay, I, I know, I know that all of these words that we're saying to each other right now are symbols, you know, we've talked uh, before, right. and I know you're going to, okay, go to sleep. <laughs> right? but, all these symbols, but, 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 you know, so, so like if I can take an idea like uh, law of attraction and go, Oh, that's similar to the idea of confirmation bias. So, so this symbol and this symbol are both kind of representing the same kind of idea behind it, that there's really no way to express except through words like okay it's kind of the same thing so that's what i mean i say i i get past it i don't get so hung up on on this law of attraction symbol that has so much negative bias around it because of my thoughts about new age and kooky stuff and you know all those things that we talked about before so i so i go all right i'm gonna discard my biases with that so that i'm not (laughs) getting away from confirmation bias as much as possible and being open to it um, so the, the idea of coming into a, a physical form, uh, with knowledge that you're coming into a world that has these kinds of things. So it wouldn't be, so I, I, I would say that, that if, um, I were able to channel Abraham right now, and maybe I can, how are all of you doing? If I was, <laughs> So what, what, I, what I would say to Christy is, of course not. Of course you did not come down into this world with the knowledge that your dad was going to do what he did. And of course he was not following God's will when he deviated from those things that inside of him he knew were right. He knew what he was doing was wrong. And he even told you that. Mm-hmm. This, this was not a divine thing from God. And and it is a problem. And what's what's wrong, Tom? Why are you why are you doing this? I I, I feel the the butt coming. But oh really? Sorry, yeah. Because that's I'm I, yeah. I'll let you finish. I didn't mean to distract you. Sorry. Yeah, you you broke the channel. Sorry, totally in the group. I broke the we channel. We're on a roll, man. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. My bad. We were on a roll. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of you were. Yeah, all, all of us were. Oh God. <laughs> But, but, but what, what Abraham said, and I'll try and find this clip if I can, um, where she's talking about this, because you, you signed up to have um, conflict and contrast, and you knew the kinds of things that were going to be here. And you knew that, and, and this is a concept that is buried inside of that 23-minute thing that we listened, that in order to understand it better, you have to listen to other things that she said. She, she talked at one point about the... the when, when this guy sees all of the atrocities in the world and he wants so badly to fix all of them, that that desire that he has, she uses this metaphor of launching rockets of desire. And, and that the more that people see these injustices and the more that people rise up and say, we've got to fix them, the closer we get to a solution. So what you're doing is, is you are contributing along with so many other people, and she calls it a vibration, that, that you're at this mental vibration that does eventually bring about the solution to the problem that was concerning you in the first place. So there's, there's nothing wrong. And this is what she said to this guy. There's nothing wrong with you thinking what you're thinking or being, in a way, and we wouldn't try to talk you out of it, she said. Yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't try to talk you out of it. We wouldn't want <laughs> All you. All of us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Um, but, say that. But, there's, but there's, there's more going on than you're able to see. And we are able to see it and yeah. tell you what that is. That's an elite. You don't you see it? that's an elitist, like superiority complex that she has going or no, but I noticed that that's a triggering thing <laughs> to you a lot. So let's talk oh, about big time. What yeah. is it? Why, why does that come across as being condescending and, uh, elitist? because she has the answer or excuse me, they have the answer. <laughs> So, so they have you like feel that well, about they, everybody I, that knows things that you don't know. No, 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 no. Okay. There are lots of experts that actually do have answers that I don't have. And I do bow to their expertise or kiss sure. them on the pinky ring too. If I need to. Yeah. <laughs> if, they'll, if they'll give me their information, I will kiss their pinky or toe. Or <laughs> but when it comes to someone like Abraham, mm-hmm. who is pontificating all this bullshit who's just most of the stuff that she's saying is just new agey self-helpy like oh what i'm saying very toned in spiritualism naturalism humanism all this nonsense and a lot of it is actually pretty good stuff but it's recycled stuff but she's not actually answering his question. Instead, what she's doing is she's placating to the emotion. Like I, what you're saying is true. And what you're saying is right. And I'm going to hold space for that. But we have a bigger picture. We have an answer. And if you listen to me long enough, and if you buy enough of my DVDs and books, you'll have a, you'll be so much closer to getting that answer that we already have. You see what I'm saying? Ugh, yeah. <laughs> I, what, what, I, what I'm seeing is confirmation bias at work. Um, for me, yeah. I have confirmation bias. Okay. Yes. Well, please. Yeah. Show me my blind spots. I'm serious. Yeah, please. Well, I, I wouldn't call them blind spots. I'd call them areas of focus. Okay. And, and, and your area of focus is that she is a charlatan and that everything she's saying is nonsense and bullshit. I think that is a confirmation bias that I have. And like I said, I I'm paying really close attention to these red flags. Yeah. And, and as much as you are ignoring the red flags, I'm paying attention to them. So I'm taking the detours and you're like, nah, it's risky. I've got a 20% chance of getting through here. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got to, why, why, why do you think I'm ignoring them? Well, it's not that I, that's a bad word. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. I think it's more of your compartmentalizing them better or that you're, because you have the ability to be able to cherry pick the information and then also use the information that you've gathered to this point, you know, like you using confirmation bias, for example, I didn't hear her talk about that. I didn't hear her talk about even critical thinking skills. No, it's, it's, it's in, it's in um, clips where she talks about what the law of attraction is. And and as I listened to her um, explain and define what she means by law of attraction, I went, Oh, I, I, I recognize what she's talking about. I've called it confirmation bias. That's, that's where I've heard this before. But see, this, one of the problems I have with that is you're listening through a lens that, of your experience. Of my own confirmation bias. <laughs> right. Or your yeah. critical thinking skills or, you know, coming out of a faith crisis, whatever. And, but the problem is, is the majority of the people that listen to her don't have that. And so they're like sponges. And they're just soaking up all this information. And that's, that's kind of where I'm standing, where I'm like, these people don't even have a lot of them. And I, and I really, you know, this, 
No, I don't. I'm just totally pulling this out of my ass. Okay. I think there's a good percentage of people, and I'm just trying to play it safe, that are soaking up her information as if it's the God's earnest truth, and they're, and they're taking everything in. And then they're, and they're just stacking it up as a foundation for their lives. That's problematic. That's what worries me. And yes, I'm fighting for the simple thinking for themselves, and they're just ingesting it. That worries me, though. You know, it's like I, <laughs> what I'd rather do is like send them, uh, you know, a subscription to the great courses, like listen to some really strong science and critical thinking stuff first, and then go and listen to Abraham and Esther all you want. All right. So, so what if you have somebody who has listened to a lot of the science stuff? Yeah, sure. And maybe they've been really interested in like quantum theory and <laughs> And it could be someone on this call right now. It might, it might be somebody, <laughs> it might be somebody who we talk through. And, uh, yeah. And, and goes, Oh, okay. So the things that she's saying about, um, energy that's eternal and sounds to me like highly evolved forms of life mm-hmm. that have, that have evolved. You know, like you, you remember that clip that I've used a lot from uh, Richard Dawkins when he's talking with Ben Stein about intelligent design and Ben Stein's trying to like set a trap for Richard Dawkins. Um, and Richard Dawkins says, if, if there was a God, he would have had to evolve to get to that place. Mm-hmm. That would have taken, you know, eons and eons of cosmic time. And he wouldn't have been able to have created himself because he, you know, evolved to that point, you know? And so therefore Richard Dawkins is able to say, that's so ridiculous. We could say there's not a God. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but, let's take this very sound scientific principles of evolution that he's talking about and really apply it and say, we know what's going on in this planet. As far as evolution is concerned, we can assume that in this massive universe, that there's similar processes going on other places. How do we know that there hasn't been forms of life? Like we, we look at humans because that's what we are and our current mental ability as being the apex of intelligence. That's the standard by which we measure the entire universe. To me, that's pretty arrogant. Mm-hmm. especially given what we know. And, and if, if you look back 2 million years ago in our evolutionary history, what are you going to see? Like moving slime? You're not going to see anything that looks like a human today. Sure. Sure. Um, and, and, and we know that evolution is driven by hostility and conflict in the environment that, that life has to adapt to and get stronger to and evolve. And so if you imagine that process through eons and eons of time, like Richard Dawkins talked about, why couldn't you have a species of life that can exist in the most hostile environments, even the vacuum of space? You know, well, our, our scientists today tell us that 95% of the universe is dark matter and they have no idea what it is. Yep. You know, so, so to me, like having that scientific interest gives me space to put some of these things in to rest them in there and go, okay, maybe, 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 maybe not. You know, I haven't sent any money to Abraham Hicks. I haven't bought any of her books, but there's a lot of these things on YouTube that are free. I'm going to listen to it. Sure. And then I'm going to talk to my friends about it and see mm. what do you think about it. And that helps me understand more what I think about it. And that's the thing that I, I like about it. So it, it, it and, and that is an act of creation, you know, like I'm creating, I'm taking all these pieces of information that I've got and I'm creating this worldview for myself that's based on things of everyone. And that's really what the message is here, that you create your own reality. And I'm doing it. And, and maybe a better way of saying it is you create your own perception of reality. I don't think anybody would have a, a 
problem with that. But when you start no. looking at the, the way that your perception of reality impacts your biology, like what real value is there of saying perception of reality is something different than reality? Mm -hmm. Well, here's something deep. I mean, as a Mormon, you know, uh, people always say, oh, the, all these Mormon youth are great. Right. And they're confident and they're they're healthy and they're strong and they go out into the world and they do these great things. But if you think about it, I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, they're being raised with a false sense of security. So it's Who is the it? idea, the, the Mormons, the Mormons. Oh, I know. I, I know but I'm, oh. yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But the thing is, is like, it is a false sense of security because they're basing it off their belief system that they were, you know, righteous in the pre-earth life and they're amongst God's, you know, greatest. And you feed a child that from birth going forward, they're going to feel entitled. They're going to feel very confident going out into the world, you know, and I think it is a false sense of security. Mm. And I think that's why it's so devastating when you find out it's bullshit, yeah. you know, because you're like, oh, so I wasn't blessed in the previous life and I'm not God's cream of the crop. And, you know, and it's very humbling, but they go out there with this confidence, but they also go out with entitlement. So well, they're let, also let, very judgmental. Let, let, let me... Let me first restate what I'm hearing you say, Christy, because okay. I, I've, I've witnessed this myself, that, that you have this group of people, Mormons, raised, told, you are God's chosen people, you get patriarchal blessings that map, I mean, you are it, man. You, you are the, the most valiant, the most righteous in the pre-existence, and you have a gift that other people don't, and it's your role to give it to them. And, and, and that kind of elevates you over people. And so you get this sense of entitlement from that. And, and so like the disgust that you feel in that, I have felt as well that, that like in myself, I don't want to look at another person and think that I'm better than them because I was Mormon and because all of those things, but I know that I did for so long and it's something that I hate and I struggle with and I don't want. But if I look really closely at the reasons why I felt that way, I don't know that it's all of those teachings, or if it was just some of them that distorted it. So if, if you teach children, like you, like you started off saying, that they lived before they came here and they are righteous, noble, powerful deity in embryo, that they are children of God. Not only children of God, they are God because this energy that evolved to this point that I speculated earlier because it's so boring to live for eternity. You do things to spice it up. Like, let's go have some physical experiences. <laughs> or I don't know. I don't know, for whatever reason. And that, that becomes the whatever atomic energy that becomes the basis of all life. So not just that you're a child of God and that you could become God someday. You are a God right now that's wearing a costume and wearing a mask and playing a game with yourself dressed as, as other people. And when you look in the eyes of somebody else, you're looking into the eye of yourself. You're looking into the eye of God. If you taught everyone that message, that anyone you look at is you, anyone you look at is just as good, comes from just as noble, just as divine, just as worthy a place as you, and you're, you're not, your mission isn't to go out and bring in the lost people because you're the one that's got the truth and they don't. That's where the message gets corrupted in my, in my mind. So that's, that's how I've processed all of that stuff. And so when, when I hear these kinds of messages from Abraham that I heard in Mormonism, I hear the differences too. 
And, yeah. and she doesn't talk about the chosenness. Now she does talk about, um, she has this phrase that she'll use called the fringe of, I don't know, something. She, she acknowledges that there are some people who are open to this message in this way. And there are people who aren't, but she never says we need to go out and proselytize. We need to bring these people to us. She always says everybody is in exactly the right place for them doing exactly the right things for them. And this might be triggering too, because then you go, well, what about Christie's dad? He was in exactly the right place. He was doing exactly the right thing. That message gets problematic when you start doing those kinds of things. But, but the overall message is don't judge yeah, like more, we're more equal. I, I like the way, because the way you described it, you know, without the Mormony stuff, yeah. is you know, if you raise a child feeling like we are all equal, we are yeah. all loved, you know, we are all the same, um, as far as you know, our importance to our Creator, yeah, that we have that inside of us, all of us, then you remove all that entitlement, yeah. right. And that's beautiful. The only, you know, we can't be sure of a lot in this life. And it's, it's wonderful to tap into all these different things. And you should be open to learn things. I, I totally believe that. But the thing that has never failed that I've learned in my entire life is love. Right. It really has never failed. It's like you step into the higher law of love. And it's an incredible experience. You know, and it seems like that's the one thing that has never failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, but how I just, do you feel, Tom, about like somebody who's preaching that message of love and inclusion and equality being worth twelve million dollars? Want to write a check? Or? No, uh, because there are a lot of people um, stating that message without financial motives. So, and and I, I guess this was going to my earlier thought is. Everything that you had said, I've heard hundreds of people say in all kinds of different formats and different areas. And I guess if, if Abraham Hicks is where you're going to get that message, then I celebrate that. But if, but I, but I always, I'm always concerned that there's going to be ways to get other problematic things through that message. Does that make sense? Because I just want, isn't there a way to essentially everything that you'd said, take that message and then deliver it without any manipulation, without any other ulterior motives. Just like what Christy said, love seems to be this universal thing that never seems to fail. If we, if we can just pound that into everyone's mind, love, 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 accept, 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 do not judge, you know, if, if that's something that we can just universally find a way to get everybody on board with, then I'm, I'm all down with that. I'm just leery about some delivery mechanisms where someone's profiteering off of that message or someone's sliding in other messages along with it, you know, where it's like, I'm ingesting love, love, love. It's like, oh, but she also said that she's going to be doing this workshop in Portland this weekend. And it's like, yeah, but you just got the important message. What are you going to get now? Now you're becoming a follower or something to that extent. It's like the message is so simple and clear that why does it need to have 
I guess, a prophet or a leader for that, mess, for that matter. It's like we can all speak that to each other. We do. And, well, and, yeah. and I, wasn't, I wasn't kidding earlier when I said, Tom, that you channel just as much as she does. No, wait a minute. Expand on that. <laughs> You're channeling? I channel just as Are much as... Are you channeling as, right now? I think so. <laughs> well, help me understand what you mean. What, what, what I mean is that we're made up of um, this divine atomic energy. Okay, but are you, go, are you going with the assumption that this atomic energy or all these things that make us up are somehow communicating to us or through us? Yeah. Okay, because I, I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that. That's so, okay. okay. But I, but I, you, don't, you don't have to. But that, that, so so um, what I was responding to you is, is you talking about having a prophet. And, and one, like, I don't want to turn this into a thing as why Glenn now follows Abraham Hicks and is defending, you know, like as I'm wary of that. <laughs> I know but it kind of feels that way. Huh? I know, I know it does. And your confirmation bias already put me in the first there. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. but, but one of her messages that, that she's not doing anything that the rest of us aren't doing. Ah. And, and that, that you have, you come from the same place. Like when, a, when you listen <clears throat> to the questions, when it's asked, how are you doing this channeling thing? What's going on? You know, what is Abraham? She says, it's, the, it's the same thing that all of you are. It, it's the same thing. It's everything <clears throat> that ever has lived, that will live, that is living now. It's the, the accumulated knowledge and intelligence. So it's, so it, you asked the question about like that atomic energy inside of us communicating with us. I think it's even more than that. I, I think it's like what we're seeing with our technology today, having the internet and cloud technology where we have all of this stuff that, yeah, it's, it's on hard drive somewhere, but now it's in a cloud. And when you, when, when with like you, you read um, Homo Deus, you know, which, which is the follow-up to uh, Sapiens by Yuval Harari. And he talks about, the, the, po- the very likely possibility that from humanity will spring another species, mm-hmm. just like you can homo erectus to homo sapiens, you're going to go homo deus. And ha- homo deus is life and intelligence combined with non-organic material. Mm-hmm. You know? So where would homo deus evolve to? This intelligence that can d- exist outside of any organic material, non-organic. Or so it's just this cloud of information and intelligence and you know, so when they're talking about vibrations and energy and, you know, that kind of thing, I'm like, okay, well, we're seeing, we're, we're talking through that medium right now, you know, with our, with our technology, we're getting mm-hmm. to a place in time with our technology where these new age concepts are like, oh, okay, I could kind of see how maybe life could evolve and fuse with this thing. And if it could ever become like that in the future, and if Einstein was right about time, that it is relative and that the space time is kind of this fabric thing that is kind of an illusion that we're experiencing, but in actual reality, there is no time. Then if at any, and then this is what Elon Musk says about artificial intelligence. If at any time in the future it became possible, then it's more probable that it has happened and that we're experiencing it right now. And we don't even mm. know. And that, that's mm-hmm. if we're living in a simulation, you know, so it's all, all these different ideas that I love playing in these like, playgrounds and I know, but castles but, with the sand all, all that stuff you were talking about there's so yeah. many branches of thinking there yeah yeah i mean you were going off i mean just the ai thing and the yeah. simulation thing i mean yeah. <laughs> those are those are playgrounds in and of themselves dude. they sure are They're fun huh you well, know what's, yeah oh, 
You know, what's really interesting um, when I was trying to talk to people about, you know, being Mormon or becoming a Christian or where I am right now, it's like, you know, we are spiritual beings, right? First and foremost, because I think we're eternal and we have this soul. And, you know, people get confused because when they have these spiritual experiences and they have this, um, you know, epiphany of knowledge, they seem to want to attach it to something. And it's like, you know, you have Mormons that sit there and have this spiritual experience in church because someone is speaking and they have this spiritual experience. And they, to me, it's just your creator that's, you know, um, communicating with you. And I think what happens is people, wherever they're at, they attach it to something instead of letting it just be what it is, which is pure knowledge from your creator mm-hmm. or spiritual being. You're getting some knowledge here that might be very inspired, but to attach it like, oh, well, then that means that this, this man is speaking and I had this spiritual experience. So the Mormon church must be true. Right. And then I'm going to join it and be in it for life, you know, or I felt this at the Christian church. So then that must mean that Christian church is true. Yeah. No, it just means that you're having um, communication with deity yeah. or your creator, and you don't need to attach it to anything. It's just between you two. Yeah. So I, I want to ask this question because I mean, as we're in these multiple playgrounds and sandboxes and everything, I'm just wondering is is one of the motivations to think like this, Glenn, for you in particular, is it is there more value to doing that than rather than thinking that this life is it? And that once we're dead, there's, that's it. I mean, because to me, I I hear less and less of the, you know, we should capitalize on this life because that's all we get and who we are or our thoughts and everything and our vibrations within us pretty much cease to exist as we know it once we're dead. Yeah. I mean, is there less value to that? Is that why I hear less and less you talk about that? Can can you restate the question? Because I I get pieces of it, but I'm not quite sure what you're really asking me. So what I'm saying or what I'm asking is all these different playgrounds of thinking. Yeah. You know, the the spiritual, the vibrations, the atoms. Can can I ask you if, uh, please, are, are you asking me if the reason that I like all this stuff is because it gives me comfort that when I die, it's not going to be at the end, that there's going to be continuation for it. Is that what you're asking? If, if you mean by comfort, I, I'm putting the word value there, but yeah. Value? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think value is a little bit more general. Comfort might be a specific value, but, but I, I, see, I see them related. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know. I, 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 I definitely do see a, a value in that, but the, you asked me what motivates me. It's just the way that I feel like I, I love it. I, sure. I, I love the way that it feels to explore, to, to come across a problem that really irks me mm-hmm. and then find a way to have it not irk me until I bump mm-hmm. up against another problem that irks me. And then to find something that then that doesn't like. And so <laughs> to, to me, that's like, mental growth, emotional growth. I don't know what, what kind of growth it is. Uh, it, I, I think it helps me empathize with people who are very, very different from me better. Although like my ability to do that is nowhere close to what I think my capacity actually is. And that's something that I want to continue to grow. 
Um, as, as far as like the afterlife thing and um, thinking that this, putting a premium on the experiences of this life because this is the only one we get, I do think that the, even though if, I, yeah, I, I really like this idea that of this intelligent energy that we're all made of that, that the, my favorite word for it is source. And when, when mm. people talk about it and they call it source, mm-hmm. it's this, this source of energy, the source of life, the source of love, the source that, that we're all an extension of source, but the, the little bits and pieces that come together to form me from 1972 to however long I've got left, that only happens this one time. Mm-hmm. And so me coming together as me right now, I've only got that. And when I die, I dissolve back into source, you know? So, but what I think is that the experiences that I have and the interactions that I have are kind of like, I, I kind of think of myself as like a, an extension of the nervous system of source, absorbing information and experience that then goes back into source um, yeah. and that not only am I doing that, but I also have the ability to kind of shape where I go and what I experience and, and right. actually some creative power to what I make as I'm doing that. And I, and, and that's kind of what I hear to, to, to bring this back a little bit to what Abraham Hicks is talking about to this guy is she's saying, you're totally valid to see all of the atrocities in life and to focus on them and to fixate on them. That's fine. That's good for you to do because as you're doing that, you're creating these rockets of desire. You're raising the vibration of everyone. You are becoming, or you are creating the eventual solution. And that's a good thing. The, the, question that we ask you is what she said the question that we ask you is is that all is this all that you want to do and all you want to be um because you have the ability to do more than that and you he he came on right off the bat saying i hate people i'm miserable and she's saying yeah do you want to keep being miserable because if you're only focusing on all of the atrocities. And if you're taking everybody's pain onto yourself, you are going to create a reality of misery for yourself. But you can't, there is a way to see the positive in all of this as well. And we'd like you to see that, but you're, you're perfectly fine. And, and they said, you know, once you die, I, I loved this part. Once you die, you kind of dissolve into source and you become part of the chorus that is Abraham that, that, ex, that shares your, your perspective and your experience. So that, that's why I go, okay, it's like these, this nerve ending, bringing information into source. So I, I just, I like that kind of stuff. It does, it does make things that don't seem to fit very well, fit together a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it any easier for me to think that it's okay for Christie's dad to do what he did to her. You know, I don't take it there. But don't you champion people too? I totally resonated with everything you just said because it's like you take the suffering and you take all the bad. My mother lived that her whole life. Everything she went forward instead of, I mean, she, she was a beautiful woman and she went on one date. And she never went, I mean, she ended up doing other things in her life, but she never fulfilled. You're talking about after she divorced your dad? Yeah. Okay. And she never knew love, you know, and she 
she carried around this huge weight of the world. And that's what was so hard sitting across from my dad because he was able to move forward. He was able to block out everything he did. He moved forward and had a great life. My mother carried this around with her even to death, you know? And it's like, for me, seeing that, seeing my brother die, who was unfulfilled in so many ways, and then seeing Kathy you know, um, die and not be able to fulfill things. I was like, I'm going to be damn sure that the rest of my life is me not making my dad the center of my fucking universe because I deserve better than this. And it was, I was able to put it in a perspective, get what I could get out of it and be for me, not everybody's able to, we're all in different levels and journeys, but for me, I was done. And I wanted to do something more with my life and also help other people. Mm. You at some point make this decision in your life. How long are you going to stay in it? Yeah. And it feels like shit. And no one's there to rescue you. No one's coming in with a cape and saying, what a horrible man he was. I'm going to save you and take you off to here. Because I think I was waiting for that. Mm -hmm. And it never came. Yeah. You know, and at some point you just have to take your power back and say, fuck you. This is my life. I am a beautiful human being. Yes. And I'm going to go out there and do what I can with the rest of the years I have left. Which, Which is one of the reasons why, you know, you should be celebrated for getting through it and becoming the person you are now and the person that you're still going to become. Because I also want to acknowledge the people that experience similar circumstances that don't make it whether it's through suicide or whatever it is because it's this this your journey you know there there are a lot of roads where yeah people don't get to where you're at yeah yeah and i think having my mother die the way she did broken completely and to see her being that vulnerable and then having the deaths of my other family members i think became like a big huge wake-up call to me Mm. You know, because you're at this pivotal time in your life and you have choices to make. And you're like, am I going to carry this or am I going to do this? But I do feel bad because I have been at the brink like a lot of people when they choose suicide. I don't blame them in the least, you know, but life is worth it if we can just get past some things. Yeah, you know, it's this is interesting. You know, when I ask you that question, Glenn, the things that actually bring me comfort or value in life now, and I liked what you're talking about, this organism. I, I, I was thinking of like tree roots, reaching out. Sometimes the roots touch other organisms and plants and whatever, and some roots die, other ones branch off and get stronger. The thing that actually brings my life now the most value is when I can help if I can just nudge people in a positive way, yeah, you know, whether it's doing the suicide help stuff, whether it's assisting my kids, my parents, friends, just in, just in eensy beatsy little ways, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not where I'm going to stand at a fork in the road and help them in this new life and new path. And they're, they're going to always be forever in my debt 
because now that I helped him on this new life journey that it's going to be nothing but, you know, <laughs> rose petals from there forward. I, I don't see it that way. I, I see just the gentlest of nudges if I can just do that for people, because in, in my life, I really do celebrate the people, the, the littlest, tiniest little things that make my life better. That, and it doesn't really even take much effort. That, there's, there's a YouTube video. I'm trying to remember what it's called, where this guy talks about getting a cup of coffee in an airport. You guys have probably seen it. Oh, I love that story. It's, it's such an amazing... To me, yeah. that's when, when I think about that all the time, it's just the littlest of things that happen to somebody that like change your whole day, change your whole attitude. And if we can do that for other people, and then obviously we pay it forward and they pay it forward, I feel like that's how we're going to branch out. That's how we can make our lives better, increase the comfort and the value of what we have here. I mean, that's, that's me trying to answer that question that I asked you. Yeah. So. Well, th- I mean, there's so many things that I love about what you just said, Tom. Like I, 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 I really believe that as you do things to help heal other people, that you're healed through that experience. Of course. You know, like, so it's, it, it is this reciprocal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, there there was something earlier in the conversation that made me think about membranes. I I think, I think Christy, it was when you were talking about like the belief systems of the Mormons, and then you've got these other groups that have these, their belief systems. And you, you can look at nature where life started as a single celled organism, but even a cell has within it like multiple different things that make it up. And then it's got this membrane around it. So all of these different multiple things are functioning together for the benefit of the whole that that membrane is. And whether you think of it as a metaphor or you think of it as literal, that's how we arrange ourselves in community and in society. And one of the really valuable things that I find with my education in folklore is, is the tradition, the way that tradition becomes a cultural membrane that brings people together. So you've got all of these different people that are doing different functions that's for the good of the whole. And, and they're able to draw the line around what the whole is through their beliefs. That was the whole premise of the book, Sapiens. And, and you know, talking about the value that fictions and, and religions in, included in there as a fiction. Right. Forming these cultural membranes around these groups of people that were about 100, 150 years. And that's how humans survived on this planet for so long. Then the membranes start expanding and bringing in more people. But as, as one cultural membrane impacts against another cultural membrane, there's conflict and there's destruction, but then they merge and there's a bigger culture. And then they come and they merge and there's a bigger culture. They come and they merge. There's a bigger cultural. So I, I, I really haven't looked into the Gaia <laughs> theory about like the, the earth being an organism and a living thing. And we're each kind of like cells within that. But I could see that type of thing in the way that we interact with each mm-hmm. other with our beliefs, with our fictions, with these cultural membranes. And, and so you, Tom, what I, one of the things I love about you is you don't really give a shit about, no, I don't know, maybe that's a little hard, <laughs> but you really don't give a shit about what cultural membrane somebody's in. You're going to help. You're, you're going to, you're going to like, so maybe drop your own um, confirmation biases that help to form your cultural membrane and reach across to another and just show them love. And, and you asked earlier about how I got, turned on to this Abraham Hicks thing. And I told you it was this very, 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 very good friend of mine named Cammie who mm-hmm. 
is probably the embodiment of what you were describing more than anybody I've ever seen in my life where that's awesome. We, we would go places and she'd make a, she makes a point to look at somebody in the eye and just, how are you doing? And really make like a genuine connection and smile. And, you know, like I watch as like a, a grocery clerk is like drudging their way through the day. And Cammy goes, Hey, how you doing? And smiles. And for a brief moment, who knows, maybe it turns their entire day around. It, it does for us when, when we're there and like we start feeling good and they start feeling good. And so the things that you were describing is lifting up people around, even through very small and simple means, great things can come about. I read somewhere once, which I just discarded <laughs> when I found out that there were all these lies and stuff, but you know, <laughs> actually some really good stuff in Mormonism, in the Abraham Hicks, in all of these different cultural worldview and belief systems that I love discovering and finding. So maybe that's a way of going back and answering that previous question too, about like what value I find in playing in these different. Absolutely. Well, and, and even to, to give Christy a big shout out the comedy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've been obsessed with comedy for years and years and years, (laughs) but uh, I will go to a comedy show or I'll watch a stand up routine. And, and if it hits that sweet spot where I'm laughing really good at the end of it i get that euphoria where i'm like life is awesome and and i'm like i don't have a care anymore i just want to i just want to stand up and cheer not just for the performer but just for life in general it's like it's so good because if we can laugh together we all share this moment it's i don't know I just want to big, yeah. give a big shout out to comedy uh, in general. So yeah, yeah, that's what makes it so exciting for me is because I get to take some. I usually my comedy is mostly about retelling stories that happened. You know, I had a son I raised mostly on my own, and just he was quite a character. And you take little stories from growing up because not every day of my life was horrendous. Sure. You know? <laughs> now right. there were some really funny, humiliating things that happened, and I had a choice when I was younger, like. You know, I started sharing some of the things with my friends that happened and they were laughing their asses off. And I'm like, is mm. that funny? And they're like, that is fucking funny. <laughs> they share that with everybody in the world, you know? And so I was like, yeah, that could be kind of funny, you know? And it does, it's so, it's like a very powerful feeling to know that you can change someone's day or make a difference, even if it's just for those three minutes on stage. It's, it's. It's intoxicating, really. Yeah, my daughter, she'll, I mean, if she has a hard day, she'll say, Dad, do what you do best. Make me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and then if I eavesdrop on my son, and I I heard him say this, and this is one of my cherished memories, so hold this in sacred Mm. territory. He actually told me. I won't publish this to anyone. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no one will hear it. It's just between us and the 12 (laughs) listeners. Yeah, right. It's dozens dozens and dozens. Dozens and dozens. But when he told his friend, he's like, my dad is the funniest person I know. That was like the biggest compliment outside Uh of my wife saying yes when I asked her to marry me, of course. Yeah. But that was like, that was awesome. Because I actually do try really hard to be that positive influence, make people laugh. Like if we're at the dinner table and we'll just kind of share funny little stories and experiences or whatever, you know, like there was a coworker that shit himself, you know, or whatever. (laughs) And you share this stuff and everybody's just laughing and like everybody's woes and worries and troubles go away, even if it's temporary. But it sure is nice at that time. Yeah. Make the world a 
Anyway. That's interesting. When I my, when my son was little and I would read him, you know, all these books, I would read him the story. And then later, the next time I would read it, I would like make up my own story. Like, get your ass out of my face, Mr. Dinosaur, and quit, you know, <laughs> pooping on my head. And I would just, just out of the blue. And so when I would go to read it to him again, he goes, no, don't read the story, mom. Tell your story. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So good. Yeah. yeah. So I get that, you know. So, but it is, it, it's just sitting around the table and, and laughing at yourself and laughing when people trip and do stupid things, you know, and that's what my comedy is about. You know, my son in kindergarten, um, I picked him up one day and the teacher was like one of those tightly wound, like never been laid. Sorry, I'm so crude, but like <laughs> a primary teacher that had never found the right guy, but was still bunched. Right. So, I mean, it was just like, you know, have you had a colonoscopy? What is the problem? So <laughs> she hands me this piece of paper and she's like throwing it in my face. Do you know what that is? And I'm looking at it and it's like this elongated circle and a big knob around the end. And I'm like, I, I don't know what that is. And she goes, your son drew that today in class. And he passed it around to everybody. And he said, this is my mom's <laughs> and like I was dying when the uh -huh. teacher was telling me that because she was pissed, right? And I'm busting up laughing, and I'm like, um, no, that's a sad boob, and I have really happy boob. <laughs> but I think this is your boob. You got a sad boob. <laughs> and of course, you know that was didn't go over well with her, but it was a funny moment, right? Yeah, of you course, about it because you're like, come on, don't go nutty because he showed my boob to everybody. Yeah. You know, uh, even though it wasn't my boob, but yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. These are good moments, man. <laughs> and, and, and good examples of the way that we create our own reality and, and turn tragedy into joy and happiness, even if it's just for a minute, you know, when you get enough distance and you're able to laugh at it. Um, and, and I, I think that's something that our podcast has done for a lot of people with Mormon. Hail to the yeah, we do have <laughs> <Give me a laughs> break. these of men mingled with humor, you know, and, right. and boobs. Yeah. That's <laughs> the guy. Penises and boobs, penises and boobs. Yeah. Right. So, so <laughs> before we totally wrap up, we've got a few people who are sitting in and have been listening to the conversation. So I just want to open up to, to any of you, Tracy, Celeste, Nick, Kami. Um, if there's anybody that call me, it's not Cammy. Oh, is it Cammy? Oh, is that? Well, Cammie? I don't know. Like That's what it looks like. Tommy? Yes, it's Cammy. Tracy. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a good conversation. Awesome. Thanks for joining in. Like in the last samurai. Conversation. <laughs> I love that movie. So is that the, is that the Tom Cruise one? Yeah, Tom Cruise and Ken Ken Watanabe is the one is the the samurai that says gotcha. it's been good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what do you got, Tracy? Oh, put me on the spot here. Well, I, th I thought you unmuted yourself so you could talk. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't want to. I was just answering you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody else have any anything they want to add? Questions they want to ask? Comments they want to make? Please. Words they want to say, please. Criticisms you want to throw at us? Nope. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining. All this conversation with us again. Oh wait, 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 Celeste. Why did you send this? Unmute yourself, Celeste. 
I can't hear you. Celeste just wrote, there will be no more offering, neither child or parent. There will be no more sacrifice. The time of obedience and atonement is past. Either help us as a friend or go away. This is a quote that I read a year or so after most of our family left the church. It was in a sci-fi book with this weird God thing called the Shike. One of the characters that loses his daughter says this, no more sacrifices. It was just- Oh, that's good. Shrike. Shrike. No, that's good. Cool. Mm. Well, I, I missed the opening game of the NFL for this, so and it was well worth it. Why? Who, who played? Uh, I'll have to pull up my fantasy team. Hang on. Are you strictly uh, NFL or you do any no, college? No, no. Yeah, I have college. Yeah? Do you like the Utes or BYU? Of course. Utes, yeah. Why would I, yeah. why would I like BYU? I, and I said that lost as a nine courtesy. Ti- they've lost nine times in a row. <laughs> yeah. No underdog. <laughs> yeah, it's not much of a rivalry anymore. Yeah. Well, Christy, thanks for coming back on, especially yes, the night after you. we recorded that that last one. And you, you my friend, have an open invitation anytime oh, you want to come on. If you've got a topic that you want to discuss, uh, it's just an absolute joy and pleasure to have. Yeah, you have you have a brilliant mind, wonderful spirit. Yeah, wow, there's always guys, an open door. Thank you so much. Seriously. It was a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so much. All right, and thanks everyone who joined. Yeah. Right. Night, everybody. Night. Night. May you have auspiciousness and causes of success. May you have the confidence to always do your best. May you take no effort in your being generous. Sharing what you can, nothing more, nothing less. May you know the meaning of the word happiness. May you always lead from the beating in your chest. May you be treated like an esteemed guest. May you get to rest. May you catch your breath. May the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows. Whoa, I made the road less paved be the road that you follow. Oh, well, here's the Hi, this is Hillary. Matt Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? So what did you think of that conversation, huh? Some people really love it. Some people are really triggered by it. But I absolutely, I I love, I love listening to Abraham Hicks. I love talking about it. And if you're interested in talking more about it, I don't know how much more Tom's got in him. I think Christy's interested in talking more about it. But shoot me an email, infantsonthrones at gmail.com. Or better yet, come join us on Patreon and support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. And uh, let's talk more about this kind of stuff if you're interested. There's hundreds of Abraham Hicks videos on YouTube with a lot of really interesting material and a lot of interesting parallels to Mormonism. So if you're interested in this sort of thing, let me know. I'd love to hear it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. May the road less paved be the road that you follow. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. Infants on Front. Well, here's to the heart.